you want to approach your birth feeling cool, calm and confident, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Hypno What. I'm your host Claire, a doula and hypnobirthing teacher from Edinburgh and I'm here to help you look forward to birth. So let's get going. Hello pals, happy new year. Welcome back to the Hypno What podcast. Today we are going to be talking about the estimated due date. That magical day you hit 40 weeks and fully expect your baby to arrive either then or shortly after, as does everybody that you shared the date with. And the texts flood in. Have you had a baby yet? How long are they going to let you go? Get a sweep. Eat 14 pineapples. Your midwife probably starts offering, if they haven't already, to give you a sweep, to get things going, maybe even asking you to book in a date for induction. And now, while none of that is ill-intended, what it can do is sow the seeds of doubt and have you questioning your body and its abilities. Why haven't you gone into labour by now? Well, I'm going to talk you through the due date today, why you should pay it as little attention as possible and we're going to talk about focusing on the due period rather than a single day on which less than 5% of babies are actually born. So there we have it, you have a 95% chance of not being in labour on your due date. So book in for a blow dry, go for a fancy lunch, get your nails done, chances are you will be able to keep those appointments. (laughs) Now, I know that I still owe you an episode on preparing to breastfeed, and it is coming. December kind of got away from me. I don't know who I was kidding, thinking that I could keep up with podcast episodes through Christmas and supporting the doula clients that I'm working with. So the breastfeeding episode is coming, but I really wanted to kick off series two talking about estimated due dates because of a client that I'm working with at the moment. So... A lovely woman that I'm working with just now, I'm currently on call for her birth at the moment as well, she's French and her original plan was to give birth in France. So what that means is that she had multiple prenatal appointments in France as well as scans and antenatal classes. Well, would you believe that the due date given to her by her obstetrician in France is a week later than the one she has on her file here in Scotland? So that's crazy, isn't it? Let's talk about why that is. So in France, they take into consideration the fact that for first births, around half of babies will be born beyond 40 weeks and five days. Whereas here in the UK, it's a blanket, 40 weeks for everyone, despite the fact that first time pregnancies are generally longer. And one of the reasons that first time births generally take longer to get going is because your body is doing everything for the first time. The shortening of the cervix, effacement or thinning. Effacement is just a fancy word for the thinning of the cervix. And it does that before it starts dilating. And then it's also got to move from being backward facing to forward facing. And in first timers, this process usually happens over the course of a few days, although sometimes less before dilation begins. Whereas in subsequent pregnancies, effacement usually happens alongside dilation. And there's also the fact that after your first birth, 
your cervix doesn't go back to being quite as long and tubular as it was before. So again, that's skipping out a bit of work there too. And it is so hard to do. <laughs> and I went to 42 plus one, so believe me, I know. But the less you fixate on your due date, the better. If you are low risk and everything is looking good for baby, so scans and monitoring can check your fluid levels, the umbilical cord function, placenta, your baby's heart rate, then there's no real reason why you can't just continue to remain pregnant. When we talk about the statistics for when babies are born, we've got to remember that elective cesareans and inductions are going to skew the average gestation periods. So those 50% of first-time babies being born before 40 weeks and five days, that will include a lot of non-spontaneous births. And in the babies that are born beyond the 40 weeks plus five, there will also be babies who are induced. So being pregnant after your due date is absolutely normal. You are not an exception to the rule. You are a perfectly capable pregnant person who is letting their baby and their body continue to do what they have done for the past nine-ish months and that is to grow and prepare for birth. And let's talk about that rule, actually. You know, you're, I've just said you're not the exception to the rule. Let's talk about the rule that the due date is based on. That's Nigeli's rule. So Franz Karl Nigeli was a German obstetrician from the 1800s, and he came up with the rule that our due date calculation is based on. And that is actually based on the work of a Dutch doctor, Dr. Herman Borhava. I am probably butchering the pronunciation of these names, but we're going to go with it. But yeah, so what I'm telling you is that the bones of how your due date is calculated, that is based on the work of two men who lived 200 years ago, and their research is based on a grand total of 100 pregnancies. Crazy, isn't it? And there have been there have been loads of studies over the years that have shown Nigeli's rule to be inaccurate. And I'm just going to talk to you about one of those just now, which is a study that was published in 2013. Um, it used urine samples to determine the exact date of conception and then tracked pregnancy length from that point. And what they found was that even when the date of conception is known, the variation in pregnancy length was still 37 days. And that excluded pregnancies with complications as well as preterm births. And they also found that pregnancies which took longer to implant had longer gestation periods from implantation to birth. So their conclusion was that human gestation varies enormously. And that's okay. That is normal. Of course, we don't all grow our babies at exactly the same rate. Of course, not all of our bodies are going to be ready to birth at exactly the same time. There is an old school idea, and our parents would more than likely have been told this as fact, that all placentas begin to deteriorate after 40-ish weeks. And that's, I've still heard of people being told that as a reason to book an induction before 41 weeks, but this isn't based on any evidence. It is really rare for placental insufficiency to occur. And when it does, it usually correlates with loads of other risk factors for pregnancy, particularly things like smoking, uh, drug and alcohol consumption, as well as other health concerns like diabetes, high blood pressure, 
blood clotting disorders. If, and I think it probably will, but if the question of induction does come up with your care provider, it should be you and you alone who makes this decision as to whether or not you would like to encourage labour to start. Though there are guidelines around when to offer induction, you cannot be forced to have one. Your care provider, what they should be doing is supplying you with all of the relevant information on the benefits and risks of both inducing labour, but also of remaining pregnant. They should be talking to you about the benefits and risks of both of those scenarios, as well as offering you alternatives like expectant management. And expected management is basically where you can just opt to go to the hospital either every day or every couple of days for scans and checks and monitoring on baby to check their check in on their well-being as an alternative to booking in for an induction. And you also just have the option of doing nothing, just continuing to wait for your baby to arrive. That is an option. So I th- thought now, I think now we'll talk a bit about how due dates are calculated and the accuracy of that. So, like I said, the rule itself is based on Nigeli's rule, which is 200 years old. But there we go. Um, so the, the calculation that works out your baby's due date is based on the first day of your last period. And this calculation also assumes that you have a 28-day cycle and that you ovulate on day 14. However, again enormous variation across the board here. So there was a 2019 study carried out by Natural Cycles, who are the a fertility awareness method of contraception. And they partnered with the Royal College of London, looked at over 600,000 individuals who are tracking their cycle. And what they found was that only around 13% of those people had a 28-day cycle. And the average cycle length was actually 29.3 days. Obviously, we don't get a 0.3 of a day, but 29.3 days was the average that they found. And it also estimated that the average day for ovulation to occur was actually day 17. But there was huge variation in this, and it did, it did depend on your overall cycle length. Now, why is that important? Well, if the way we are figuring out a due date is based on a flawed calculation that does not take into account the enormous variation in menstrual cycles, then the due date itself is flawed. And this is hugely important because your care within the maternity system is based on your due date. When you're offered a membrane sweep, how your baby's growth is estimated, if you're having an elective caesarean, then the suggested date for that will again be based on your due date. And now I'm not suggesting that the whole world tosses due dates in the bin. What I want to do is just highlight for you that they are not the be-all and end-all of when your baby is arriving. They are a relatively arbitrary date. Take them with a pinch of salt. And remember, your due date is not an eviction notice. Just because you are X number of days beyond your due date, that is not on its own. A sign that something isn't right. There are many ways medically that your care team can check in on baby's well-being and your instincts are a really important gauge on things as well. How do you feel like baby is? 
How do you feel like your body is coping? Now, individual trusts will vary up and down the country as to when they would like to book for induction. Most will look to encourage you to book around 10 to 12 days past due date, although it's not often worded like that. It is a suggestion. It is not a rule. You make the rules. So bear that in mind as a midwife will probably broach the subject of induction with you in late pregnancy. And why are your care team on edge about when your pregnancy heads beyond 40 or 41 weeks? And the reason for that is that there is an increased risk of an adverse outcome for you, uh, risk of increased risk of stillbirth for baby as well after 42 weeks. And that risk is still small. It rises from around 0.13% to 0.3% after 42 weeks. And the language used around this can quite often be really scary. And obviously it's a really scary thing to talk about as well. Yes, there is an increased risk, but healthcare professionals will often put it across as saying the risk doubles after 42 weeks. And while technically that is accurate, it sounds far more likely and terrifying than saying there is still a 99.7% chance that everything will be fine. I want to finish off today by talking to you about a theory the wonderful Dr. Sarah Wickham has coined and it's called fixed point expectation syndrome. And I just, I really resonated with this when I read about it in her book. It's in a book that she's written called In Your Own Time, which is all about how the maternity system has a real induction problem at the moment. You know, around a third of births are induced at the moment and there's no way that a third of pregnant people require to be induced. So it's a very interesting book and covers a lot of risk factors. It's it's worth worth looking at. But the fixed point expectation syndrome that she talks about, this is the idea that when we are given a date for something that we are looking forward to, be that an Amazon parcel, a lunch date with your bestie, or the arrival of your baby, something that is scheduled in advance and we look forward to it. Well, what happens when that day comes and the thing that we've been expecting and looking forward to doesn't happen? Nor does it happen the day after or the day after that. Well, we might feel let down, disappointed, sad, frustrated, angry. Those feelings and that mindset are the exact opposite of the environment conducive to telling our bodies that we are in a safe space for birth to happen. So what I want you to do is highlight the five week due window on your calendar, not the singular due date. Full term is considered 37 to 42 weeks. So look forward to your baby arriving anytime within that window. And if you do decide to circle the due date as well, make sure it's to celebrate the midpoint of your term window, be that with your birth partner, your friends or your doula, make that the focus, celebrating you and your pregnancy, not expecting your baby to arrive. And remember, you don't need to tell people when your due date is. Everyone will ask, of course. It is ingrained in society to follow up a pregnancy congratulations with, oh, when are you due? But you can just say springtime or 
the middle of April. Honestly, take it from me, like I said, I, I was over 42 weeks before my daughter was born and I was totally melted with people texting me to ask if I was still pregnant, if my baby had been born, when my baby was going to be born. My absolute pet peeve was people saying, how long are they going to let you go? It really drove me crazy when people said that. But they they do, and it's, it's not, it's not ill-intended, but it's very annoying when you're very pregnant and you really want your baby to be here. You know, as if you're going to forget to tell your mother-in-law that you've had your baby, but she's still going to text you every other day and ask. Anyway, right folks, I'm going to leave it there for today. I hope that you found this useful. Thank you so much for listening. You will hear from me again next week. I will have my first ever guests on the show. Very excited. So the wonderful Jade and Alex, who are the founders of the Birth Uprising, who I did my hypnobirthing training with, they are going to be joining me and we are going to be talking about the most frustrating hypnobirthing myths out there, including whether or not hypnobirthing can help support you through cesarean birth. And I really hope that you'll join us for that. As always, please do fire me over any questions. And if you've got a spare minute, I really would love for you to leave a wee podcast review. And actually, I heard Stephen Bartlett talking. I listened to Diary of a CEO. Uh, I love that show. But he was saying recently on that show that only around a third of podcast listeners actually subscribe to the show that they're listening to. So please, if you're listening just now and enjoying the show, I would so appreciate for you to hit the button to subscribe to the HypnoWatt podcast. All it does for you is make sure that my new episodes are at the top of your podcast feed so that you don't need to search them out every week. But what it does for me is it really helps to tell the podcast people that you're enjoying my content and then they can show it to more people and help spread the good word of birth. So that's it for me today, guys. I will chat to you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Hypno Walk podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. And you can find out more about what I'm up to by heading to birthingparentsclub.com. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.